when when people come to church when people come to church I know they come with some concerns but concerns have different levels you recognize that you ever been traveling down the interstate and you looked at your gas gauge and it, you had a quarter of a tank left uh, not much concern but you know you got to get gas traveling down the interstate and you look down at your your gas gauge and you see that little uh, low fuel light on you say I don't know how long that thing's been on different level of concern isn't there different level of concern when your daughter comes home and she tells you that she made a D on a test or your daughter comes home and tells you that she's pregnant and she doesn't know who the father is there's a difference in concern between you go in for shoulder surgery or you go in for surgery for breast cancer there's a different level of concern when you didn't get the raise that you thought you deserved and they're and they're about to lay you off there's a whole lot of difference between those two there's a difference between bringing a prayer a request on a Wednesday night for somebody else and you show up at prayer uh, meeting on Wednesday night for the first time because you don't know where else you're going to turn there's a whole lot of difference between the two you see what happens when things get so bad so much of a crisis that we've already figured out what the result is going to be and we don't know what we're going to do what we do is is that we can't eat we can't sleep we focus on that problem we pull it up close and we can't see beyond that problem whatsoever Hmm. let me tell you right now the good news before i even read the scripture to you the good news is is god does not want you living in anxiety that is absolutely something that you need to do. But what do you need to do? I know what you're going to say. Well, you pray about it. Well, you already knew that, didn't you? I didn't need to tell you that when you came in here. So let's take a look at the scripture and see what that actually means. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me say this to you again. We are not to be anxious about anything. That's what the scripture says there. But when we have such a situation that is so bad we have a fear don't we we fear because we know we're facing it we know it's coming and we don't have anything we can do about it i had a lady in my previous church uh she got a lump in her breast but she wouldn't go to the doctor you know the reason why because her mother died from breast cancer so she didn't go to the doctor she didn't find out what she already knew she didn't have any treatment she uh, quit coming to church she closed herself off she didn't let anybody come to visit her if you knocked on her door she wouldn't come to the door you had to knock in fact there was one guy that was so persistent he he finally could get her to come to the door he was just that obnoxious and he got her to come to the door and what happened to her is she took that fear of becoming a recluse in her own life and she took a fear and you know what she took she took that fear and she put it real close to her heart that's what happens with a lot of people bringing them really close to their heart and she died she died because she was not treated why is it that we gravitate toward those fears why is it that the news media can give us a new fear every night and we'll say we've got to watch the news 
I've got to see what's on there that is going to tell me what I need to be afraid of. They tell us now that everything you can eat, everything you do eat, will kill you. It seems like the safest thing to do is to starve to death right now. You understand what I'm saying to you? And we gravitate toward it. And that's what a lot of people do. And their, their, fears, their fears chase them to a hiding place. But your prayer should reflect your faith in God. It absolutely should reflect your faith in God. And maybe it does. So before you pray, before you pray, you should ask if your problem is too big for God. How about that? And let me, let's go through a little history here. Was old age too big for God when Abraham wanted to have an heir? Was Pharaoh too big for God when he wanted to take his people to the promised land? Was the Red Sea too big for God when the armies of, of the Pharaoh were chasing God's people? Was the fiery furnace too big for God when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in there? Was, was, the, was the lion's den too big for God when, when Daniel was thrown in there? Was death on the cross too big for God? No is the answer. And so, is your problem too big for God? Is it? See, too often we're like the, the army of God facing a Goliath. You know what I'm saying? You know, they, they looked over there and Goliath was taunting, it says in the scripture. He's taunting the armies of God. And you know what they thought? He's too big for us to go out and hit him. And so David comes around and he says, he's too big to miss. You understand? See, Goliath wanted to fight an infantry battle and David took him on with artillery. You understand what happened there. You see, he wasn't too big for God. So before you pray, is your God, is your problem too big for God? Second, before you pray, you need to ask if God loves you. Because if he has the power to do it, but he doesn't love you, maybe he won't do it. But what does the scripture tell us? Romans 8.35. Who will separate us from the love of God, of Christ? Well, tribulation, or trouble, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No, your God still loves you. The prodigal son, when he got himself in so much trouble, he thought that his father could not love him anymore. He was going back not to be a son, he was going back for a job is what he was going to do. And what did he find? He found his father come out running to embrace him and telling him, good, welcome home, son. And what he said to his father, I said, I've been so bad. I'm so bad. He said, I am not worthy enough to be called your son anymore. But here's what he found out. Nothing separated him from the love of his father. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. So he loves you enough to take you through your problem. Third thing I will say. Before you pray, you need to ask if God knows what to do. You know, problems need solutions. That's the way it needs to be. 
having all the power and love won't really matter if you don't know what to do. So we have to say, does God know what to do? Let's take in the Old Testament, Joseph, for example. You know, Joseph's the one that his father made him a long sleeve coat. I know it says many colored, but it really means, I think, a long sleeve coat. It didn't matter. It was a special coat and it was given to him. And his brothers hated him. And he went out in the field one time and his brothers, you know, they threw him in a pit. You know what his prayer probably was? God, get me out of here. And then what happened to him? He got sold into slavery. You know what his prayer probably was? God, get me out of here. And then he was falsely accused of something he didn't do. And he was thrown in prison. What do you think his prayer was? God, get me out of here. You understand? But God knew what to do. His brothers were so scared when, he comes, when they come to live in, uh, in Egypt and they, they got the abundance of the land and their, their father passes away. He's afraid, they're afraid that Joseph's now, he's going to get his, his revenge on them. They come to him and they, they tell him, you know, we, we, you know, this is what we think is going to happen. We, we're so afraid. You know what he says? He says in Genesis 50, 20, As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. God knew what to do. Even in the middle of all the things that Joseph would have been praying, get me out of here. He looks back at it. He says, guess what? God knew what he was doing. It says in Isaiah 55, 8, it says, and the Lord's speaking, he says, for My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, I don't, you know, I don't know all the things that I need to pray for when I pray. I have to say, but I do know the one who does know what needs to happen. And I bring it before him. It says we bring every, we are to bring everything to God, everything to him. Now, I want to give you, a, I'm going to, not going to try to Greek you too much here, but when it uses those words there, actually they put in, the, in this translation, they did, uh, they called it prayer and pleading. Uh, it's not what I would have put, but that's okay. The first word there, there is a general attitude of prayer. That is the first word that is mentioned there. There's a general attitude of prayer. And the general attitude of prayer is one that I just told you. You know that God is big enough. He has power enough. You know that he loves you. And you know that he knows what to do. So that is the general attitude. And every prayer you go into, that needs to always be there. But the second one, there are specific requests in prayer. These are very specific requests. See, you need to ask God what you believe that you need. But let me say this. When you do so, know that God can change your prayers. You understand? You say, I, want, I think I need this. But God can change your prayers. I was praying for a guy several years ago. I was, reading, I was leading a group at that time. I was leading a group in a discipleship class called Prayer Life. But I was praying for this guy, not openly in front of this group, but at home and, and praying for him. He was, he was sick. I didn't know what he had. And in the middle of my prayer, in my spirit, God spoke to me and he said, I am going to take him home to be with me. He is going to die. And I changed my prayer completely. I prayed that he would not suffer. 
I didn't know what he had. I had no idea what he had. And I found, I just prayed that he would not suffer. And so I went to my, my, my discipleship group that I was leading for in the prayer life. And I told them this. And I remember one of the men in that group got very angry with me. He said, how can you say that? How can you say that he's going to die? I said, I cannot tell you. I, I can tell you how God spoke to me, but I cannot tell you why that God has done that. Now, here was the situation. Didn't know what he had. Found out he had AIDS. Did not know that he had AIDS, but he had AIDS. And what had happened was he was on a hunting uh, expedition in the early 80s. And he uh, had his shotgun. He laid it on a, a fence. He crossed the fence, knocked the shotgun over it, shot him in the leg. Not that big a deal because it's just buckshot. Understand? But he's a hemophiliac. And so they had to take him to the emergency room. And they had to take him not only just get the buckshot out, but they had to give him a blood transfusion. And back in the early 80s, they weren't, uh, they weren't screening the blood. And he'd gotten AIDS uh, through that. And if you have ever seen anybody die of AIDS, and I hope you never see this, before they, before they had treatment for it, it is horrible. They get down to skin and bone. They get ulcers in their mouth. I mean, it's just the most horrible thing you can make. That man did not have that happen to him. He did die, but that didn't happen to him. And I believe God answered my prayer. So what I'm saying to you is this. Get specific with a willingness to have your prayer changed. We get in there and say, yes, Lord, this is what. And you get specific because you see, when you get specific and God tells you something else, you can praise God because you know, you know, this is what you're supposed to pray. And you see God answer your prayers. And he does that in advance, not in the afterwards. So thank God before you see the answer to the prayer. This reveals your faith. This reveals your trust in God. This reveals that you have an expectation that one, he's big enough, he loves you enough, and he has the knowledge to know what to do in this. And so what you'll do is, it's like when you, have you ever written a letter that you said, I thank you in advance for your help in this matter? That's what this is like. Because why? There is a full expectation that God is going to do the very best thing for you. That is why you thank him in advance. And then you let your request be known to God. Never forget it is a request. And you are not in charge. You are not telling God what he must do. You are requesting from God. It is not a democracy where you get to vote in this. You understand that. You see, God's peace then will guard your hearts and your mind. Now, there's, here's the situation, folks. We don't produce our own peace. You recognize that? We don't produce our own peace. You know, and that's what a lot of people are trying to do. They're trying to come up with some way that they can have peace, peace in their mind, peace or whatever, and and, and some way that they do it themselves. This is not the peace that you get from yourself. This is the peace that you get from God. And let me tell you something about this peace. This peace passes all understanding. It will not make sense for the people who are just rationalizing it out. Why are you at peace when you've got all of these problems? You know, the amazing thing to me is, is that when people have a lot of problems, they either come to church or they stop coming to church. Does it make any sense to you that they, 
They stopped coming to church. They got so many problems. I guess they, they were thinking that nobody else has problems. And I say, say this, well, see, a lot of people can have peace even in the middle of their problems. They have peace because God has given them this and it makes no sense. And this is not the kind of peace that comes, it's, it's a, you know, you can get peace because you know it's going to happen and you just go ahead and said, well, I might as well just let it happen because that's, it's going to happen anyway. I mean, that's sort of like saying, what would you do if you knew that there was a nuclear attack coming? You know, they're going to they're attack, you know, the, the shipyards and all of that. You know what I'd do? I'd go outside and watch. There's nothing else you can do. That's just, that's not peace. That's just accepting what the, is, is going to happen anyway. And see, this is the peace that comes because you know who is in charge. This is what the peace comes from. See, we, don't we make jokes about childlike faith? Wouldn't it be great if we had childlike faith? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Wouldn't it be great? Do you realize what God was doing in the wilderness with, the, with his people? Providing them manna every day? He was creating childlike faith in them. We should have that kind of faith. And it, given it, understand that God gives us grace for today only. I had, had a professor in seminary, Oscar Thompson. And Dr. Thompson told us he had bone cancer. And he said, God gives me grace for every day, but only for today. Because that if he gave me tomorrow's grace today... It would be a waste of grace. I need today's grace today. Let's imagine for a moment. It wouldn't be too hard to imagine in the cold weather that we're in. Let's say you've gone out hiking. And a sudden blizzard comes up. It's so bad that you cannot find your way back. It's blow, snow is blowing everywhere and you're cold and you're stumbling along in the snow. And you don't know where to go. And suddenly you see a light. And you see a light and you see that there's a cottage. And, and as you come by that cottage, you look inside through the window. There's people in there. They're eating. They're laughing. They're, 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 they're comfortable. Let me ask you, what do you do? Do you stand outside and try to stop the snowstorm? Or do you go inside the cottage? See, what a lot of people are trying to say is, I want to stop the snowstorm. No, you go inside and take God's peace. You go inside for that. Because this peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The heart and the mind are two essentials. You recognize that? They're two essentials. The heart, in this sense, is who you are. It is who you are. And the mind is your organizer of information. The mind feeds the heart. And if the mind becomes corrupted... The heart will follow. That's why it's so important that we have a renewed mind. We have a renewed mind. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is what? Life and what? Peace. And that's what you need. Peace that is there. Is the spirit anxious about your problem? No. Not one little bit is the spirit anxious about your problem. Because he is God and he has it under control. And that's why nothing worries God. Nothing. You go to God with your problem and see if he's worried. Say, God, I've got a problem so big that you're going to be worried about it. He's not. 
It's not so big. God, I've got a problem so big that you might just lose your love for me. It's not going to happen. God, I've got a problem so big that you won't know what to do. It's not going to happen. God is never worried. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The heart, again, is where, who we are. And the heart is at the core of our anxiety. When Jesus spoke to his followers when he was going away, he said this in John 14, 27. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give you to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor fearful. Note that he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do you understand that? That's where the core of it is. So our hearts must be guarded when we have the anxiety around, all around us. And that last little bit there, you know, and it says in that uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says that we'll have the peace that is guarded in Christ Jesus. He gives peace for our hearts, not as the world gives it to us. See, when Jesus was, you remember the story, Jesus was at the well with a woman. And he said, I have water that, you know, you don't have to come out here for all the time. You remember, what, what did she say? Lord, what? Give me that water. Well, I'll give you a different one here. The Lord has peace for you and whatever you're going through. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Do you want it? Do you want it? Are you able to take it to God like his word has told us this morning? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray.